teaching ministry of Pastor Jay Everly. Get ready to be empowered through the understanding of God's Word. If you've got your Bible, the, the fourth chapter of Ephesians is where we're going to begin. It tells us that, uh, uh, verse 7, Unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts unto men. Now he tells us what those gifts are. Let's keep on reading. He said in verse 9, now that he ascended, what is it but that he descended first into the lower parts of the earth? What was he doing down there? Kicking the devil in the head. And he, he that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. Now, let's read verse, uh, we're going to read verse 11, but let's read verse uh, 8, and then we'll read verse 11. He said, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts unto men. And he gave some apostles, and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. The reason I did that is because verse 10, or excuse me, verse uh, 9 and 10 are in parentheses, or quotes, or whatever you call those, parentheses. And uh, see, Miss, Miss Weiser would be proud that I knew what that was. That was not quotes, that was parentheses. But uh, anyway, that's, that's telling, he's making a side point there. But verse 8, connected with verse 11, tells us that these gifts that he gave to men are the fivefold ministry offices. Amen. Now, we don't stand, or, or no one stands in one of those offices because he decided to put that on his business card. No, it's an anointing. It's an endowment of the Holy Spirit upon a person's life, man or a woman, to stand in a place to be a blessing to others. When God anoints a minister, he has somebody else in mind. He doesn't have that minister in mind. Amen. Now, verse 12, for the perfecting of the saints. So these fivefold ministry offices are given for the perfecting of the saints. Now, he's not saying that any of us are perfect. He's saying perfect. If, if you look it up in the Greek, the original uh, New Testament was written in Greek. It means for the maturing of the saints. Uh, one uh, Greek help says the right ordering. In other words, our lives, as, they as we grow spiritually and mature spiritually, like we've got to do naturally, we all grow up naturally, we have to grow up spiritually. As we do that, the, our lives come into order. Some things just won't come into order by any other way than just growing up. Just, just growing up. So he said, for the maturing of the saints... For the work of the ministry, some translations say because the, the saints are to do the work of the ministry. For the edifying, that means the building up of the body of Christ. Amen. Amen. The edifying. Hallelujah. I believe in being edified. There's enough things to discourage us out in the world. We need a place to go where we can get edified. Amen. So, till we all come to the unity of the faith, unto the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect or mature man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Is that possible? To grow to the full measure of Jesus' maturity? Well, apparently from that verse. Now, we, the, he, uh, that we henceforth be no more children. Talking about spiritual children. That, that's talking about immaturity, you know. Be no more immature as spiritual children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine and slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up. See, there needs to be truth spoken, but it needs to be said in love. The love of God makes the, you know, like, what was that, Mary Poppins? Who said that, that, that the, the sugar helps the medicine go down? That tells you I wasn't raised on all that. I don't think it was Mary Poppins, but... What, was it Mary Poppins? Oh, wow. I'm on a roll this morning. Anyway, uh, and so that we speak the truth in love. 
We need truth, but we need it in love. You know some things are true, but you can't say them yet because either you're too mad to say them in love <laughs> or somebody's not ready to hear it. So in love for them, rather than destroy their faith, you just go ahead and let them grow a little longer. Speaking the truth in love may grow up into Him in all things. What we said on last week, we said all things means all things, not just the parts we want to grow up in. Some of us want to grow up in prosperity. We want to grow up in all the blessings of God. But in all things includes growing up in faithfulness, growing up in, in perseverance, sticking with things whenever the devil turns the heat on, you know. Growing up in all things. Hallelujah. Which is the head. Let's start in verse 15 again. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is uh, the head, even Christ. From whom? From Christ. The whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth. So notice every joint has a supply. Every joint supplieth according to the effectual working. That's talking about the working of His power. The, not just the dormancy of His power. See, God's power can lie in somebody dormant and it's not blessing anybody. But we're to keep it active by bringing our supply, by the effectual working in the measure of every part. Each one of us have a measure of something from God. That's what he said in verse 7. The measure of the gift of Christ. The measure of every part maketh increase of the body under the edifying of itself in love. Praise God, the edifying of itself in love. Now notice, everything comes from the head, verse 16 says. But it also says in verse 16, every joint has a supply. Where we're joined in is where our supply is. Where God's put us in the body of Christ. I've looked through the New Testament and read it thoroughly. I've read the Old Testament even. And I've never seen the ministry of a Lone Ranger. Or a Tonto either. In other words, let's take the physical body, which is Paul's illustration of the spiritual body, the body of Christ. You know, your whole body is, is joined together. There's no part of it that hangs in the air out here and walks around beside you. Amen. What if your heart wasn't in here, it was just out there laying somewhere? It's not bringing a supply by being disconnected from the rest of the body. You know, everybody, there's a local church where everybody belongs. Well, I just get fed on Christian TV. Well, when you read the rest of what we're going to get into this morning, you cannot mature totally by just Christian TV. I'm not against Christian TV. There's, there's a lot of help on Christian TV. Um, uh, but there's, there's things that we need to learn. Every joint supplied. There's a joining God wants us to do in the body of Christ. Notice he said, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted. Amen. Compacted. So there's a joining. There's a unity that we are to be in fellowship with one another. But said so every joint supplied and the body edifies itself. Now, not independent of the, the head bringing the supply, because everything comes through the head, verse 16 says, from whom the whole body. Jesus is the, from the head, from Him, the whole body. But notice as you read down through there, we read it all, that the, uh, the, the head brings a supply through these fivefold ministry offices. And by being connected properly to those fivefold ministry, one of those fivefold ministry offices, we get our supply. Amen. Tell your neighbor, I'm going to get something out of this this morning. So it comes from the head, yes, but it comes through other members. So if we're not in fellowship with other members of the body of Christ, then we're not getting the supply that God has for us. 
Can you say amen? We got into that last week. We were talking about that. Uh, We looked at some things. We want to get back here this morning to uh, Matthew again. We looked over here at Matthew verse number, uh, excuse me, chapter number uh, 9 or 10, whichever one. Let me get back here. Remember we looked at this. We were talking about the, uh, it's in the 10th chapter of Matthew. Jesus said in verse 40, He that receives you receives me. He that receives me receives him that sent me. So that's saying the same thing as it says over there in Ephesians. Whenever Jesus calls and anoints somebody to bring something to the body of Christ, to, be, to, to, to impart things, impart revelation knowledge, impart endowments of the Holy Spirit, or to operate under the anointing that He puts on their life, uh, whenever we receive that person, we're receiving Jesus, the one that's, that anointed them, called them, equipped them, and sent them to us. Now let me say something about God calling and sending people. There are fivefold ministry offices and then there's the ministry of helps. We read that, uh, we've looked at that many times. Um, but the, uh, the fivefold ministry offices, if you look at all the ones except the pastor, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, and the teacher, you look at their ministries and basically, uh, except there's, a, there's exceptions to everything, but basically they're sent to the body at large. They're not staying put in one local church. You understand? They're called to the whole body like an evangelist. He's going to be out there getting people saved, and then he'll go from church to church and and stir up people about leading people to Jesus, you know. And that's a valid ministry. But he doesn't stay at one place most of the time. Amen. And the prophet and the apostle, they're not just staying in one church. You know, there's teachings that go around and say, well, every local church needs all those five-fold ministry offices. And uh, I could prove that wrong. And from the Bible, seven different scriptures say the pastor's the head of a local church. Not, not five heads. That's a freak. That's a monster. Somebody needs to chop some heads off in that place. <laughs> Amen. Oh, anyway, some of you are looking at me funny, but just hold on. You'll get under, we'll get to where we're going. So, uh, but in the fivefold ministry, four of them pretty much go, they're more of a traveling, roaming ministry. Uh, doesn't mean they shouldn't have a local church where they call home. How many of you know their family needs a local church? Their kids need to grow up in a local church and so forth. They need to have a base, somebody that can pray for them at the base. And, you know, anyway. But, uh, the, uh, the, but there's one. So they're called more to the body at large. But there's one that's called to, to a more intimate relationship with a group of sheep, and that's the pastor. So really, that's the one that... Uh, uh, back in the, if you go back to the ninth chapter of Matthew there, it says Jesus was moved with compassion on the multitude. Verse 36 says, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Right. Notice he didn't say, I'm really compassionate because they don't have an apostle. Right. We thank God for the apostle's office. But the main thing you need is a pastor. Yeah. Right. Amen. Now, sound, you know, somebody said, well, this kind of self-serving, isn't it? Well, really, I don't get anything out of it. More, more than I, you get more out of it than, than I get out of it. So uh, they were fainting and scattered abroad because they didn't have a pastor. Now, he that receives, back here in chapter 10, verse 40, he that receives you receives me, he that receives me receives him that sent me. He that receives a prophet, Matthew 10, verse 41, receives a prophet. Now, that's one of the fivefold ministers. In Jesus, see, Jesus was really ministering under the old covenant. Yes, he's bringing in the New Testament. But his blood wasn't shed yet, so there could not be the new birth yet. He's ministering as far as his earthly ministry now. I'm not talking about him going to the cross and dying for all mankind and so forth and so on. But his earthly ministry was as a prophet to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. 
and he stayed within that, that, that earthly ministry until the cross and so forth and so on. But uh, we see here he receives a prophet. He's talking about one of the fivefold ministry offices. But now in the New Testament, we just read we have five of those ministry offices. So you could say he that receives an apostle, he that receives an evangelist, he that receives a teacher, he that receives a pastor. He that receives one of the fivefold offices in the name of that office. In other words, not just the man, but that office shall have or receive a prophet's reward or whatever office that person stands in. He that receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. Now, Jesus mentioned the prophet's office because that's what he stood in. That's the main ministry to the church. I mean, excuse me, to, the, to, to Israel. All right, so, but then he said, there's another level of receiving a righteous man in the name of a righteous man. Have a righteous man's reward. Then he said, verse 42, and whosoever shall give. Now notice, that's how you receive. Because notice he said in verse 41, receive a prophet, receive a righteous man. And he's saying the same thing in verse 42, but he's changed the way he said it. Whosoever shall give to drink unto one of these little ones a cup of cold water only in the name of a disciple, verily I say unto you, he shall no wise, no wise lose his reward. So there's something that we have to give to these righteous ones, these disciples, that you ought to be a giver. That ought to be your life's occupation. Blessing people. I'm not just talking about financially. Finances are involved, but see, you could get all that. You could go that direction and forget just, just about encouragement, for example. Just giving what you have, it, what, how you, the part of God you know, just encouraging other people with. You know, tell your neighbor that's what your life occupation is, is giving. Amen. We didn't come to save our life or to preserve. King James says save means preserve our life, but to give it. Because we're like him. He came to give his life. Doesn't mean you're going to have to die on the cross for anybody, but, uh, you know, giving of your time, giving of your talents, giving of what you have to offer the body of Christ. Whosoever shall give. Now notice there's three different things he mentions here. A disciple, verse 42, a righteous man, verse 41, and a prophet. So he's basically saying, I don't know, you could say that uh, these three people could be three different people. One's a prophet, one's, an, one's a uh, disciple, one's a righteous man. Yeah. Or that could be the same person who is all three of those things. Yeah. Couldn't it? And you could say when somebody comes to minister at our church or somebody comes to be a blessing, that we could receive them. Maybe they stand in one or two offices, but we don't receive them in any of those offices. We just receive them as a brother in Christ. Yeah. Well, we're not going to get out of what's out of that, what they have in that office. Amen. So uh, we need to receive people in the highest thing they stand in to get the highest thing that's on their lives. Amen. So we're talking about this. We started this last week. We're talking about divine connections. How many of you know that's what he's talking about is God divinely connects us in the body as it pleased him. Not as it pleased anybody else, as it pleased Him. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Where God connects you might not be where you grew up in church. Might not be the church that's closest to your house. You know, like you pick a dry cleaners. <laughs> anyway, but just... It might not be where your grandmother's tears are on the altar. We thank God for grandmother's tears. It might not be the church that has the fanciest television ministry. Or the best looking pastor, although we know that's true here. <laughs> Keep some of you laughing so you don't get bored. But, uh, you know, you have to encourage yourself in the Lord, you know. My wife's out of town. She didn't say I look nice this morning or anything, so. <laughs> 
But no, it might not be the one that you, that has the prettiest building or the prettiest whatever. It might not be the one that you thought would be the one. But wherever God's pleased to put you, that's where you belong. When it comes to picking a church, we don't really pick a church. We just discover where God's already picked for us. It's not like everything else where you pick a dry cleaner or you pick a repair shop to fix your car. You don't let your fingers do the walking with the fanciest ad in the yellow pages or something like that. All those things are carnal. I know people in this church. I met a man one time. There's probably more than one man in town. But he goes to a particular church because it's the socially, the, the socially pr uh, proper one to go to in the city. That's, that's the uppity church. Well, you can die and go to hell and go to the uppity church. I happen to know the church he goes to, they don't even believe in the new birth. But he's uppity in the uppity, uppity echelons of the city, so he's got to go to that church. Well, that ain't going to work because that's not what... See, God doesn't pick the ones you pick. It has nothing to do with natural things like that. People go to churches because they have the best music or the best children's department or whatever. Well, we're, we're striving for the best. We were, don't misunderstand me. But if everybody waits until it's the best one, how would you ever have the best one? How about bringing your supply to make it the best one? Oh, I didn't think about that. I told you I had the clutch already popped. So, but these, these 41 and 43, uh, excuse me, 41 and 42 there could be one man standing in three different places. Well, then there's one above that. I want you to go over to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter number 4. We looked at this, and this morning we're going to get into it a little bit further. Um, Jesus mentioned three of them, but notice he said, He that receives those receives a reward. There's a reward for receiving those different levels and so forth and so on. You know, just another brother in Christ. I've met good Baptist people that I got so blessed because of having fellow. I've sat beside people on the plane, you know. But they were Baptist or Methodist, something other than us, you know. But how many of you know in heaven there's no Baptist, Methodist sections? There's... Anyway, if there is, I don't know if I want to be in the charismaniac section of heaven. because. Anyway, but I've sat beside good Methodists or Baptist people on the plane, good Catholic people. You know, there's people saved in the Catholic church. But I've sat beside them and the fellowship was rich. The good, good fellowship. I got edified. got blessed. Amen. Amen. See, I told you on last Sunday, you'll get in trouble not receiving the rest of the parts of the body. Doesn't mean that you're called to have direct fellowship with them on a regular basis. That'd be impossible. How could you fellowship with the entire worldwide body of Christ, you know, on a regular basis? Now, if you meet them, yes, we have fellowship. We're in, we're, we're in the same body, so forth and so on, you know. We're brothers and sisters in Christ, but not on a regular basis because you can't be everywhere on a regular basis. Amen. So God's smart. He broke down the, the body of Christ worldwide into local churches. And when it came to local, when he went like in the, you read through the New Testament and uh, like over 110 times the word church is used. Out of those 110 times, if I remember right about, oh, it's been a while since I looked at the notes, about 90 times or so, it's referring to a local church. That tells you God's big on local churches. When he wrote letters, he wrote them to the local church. He didn't say to the local prayer group down there in Colossae. Or to the local Bible study. Or to that evangelistic meeting down there in Philippi. He wrote them to churches. Because the Holy Ghost is smart. He knew that's where sheep belong. They belong in a local church. 
If you're connected to the right church, you'll get the other supplies of the other four, four of the five-fold ministry offices. Amen. So, but, uh, and then you read through the, the book of Revelation, through the churches at Asia Minor called the Church of Philadelphia. The, and he goes through the church. See, he wrote those letters to the churches. Why? Because that's where t- sheep belong. That's where people belong in local churches. If you don't have a local church, you just have a local Bible study you go to too, you're missing the supply God has for you through one of these five-fold offices. Amen. Keep the car ready, Brother Ike. They're not liking it as much this morning as they la- liked it last week. Amen. Praise God. God's plan is for sheep to have a pastor. That one's sent to you directly. That's a more intimate relationship. Now over here in 1 Corinthians 4, um, I read this last Sunday. We're going to look at it again. Verse 14 through verse number 17. I write not these things to you to shame you. This is Paul writing to the church at Corinth. But as my beloved sons, I warn you. So if you didn't get last, if you weren't here last Sunday, get that CD. I listened to it again to see how because sometimes you're kind of, your, your mind, I, I'll say this, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, if you've ever ministered, but your mind is kind of in a Holy Ghost cloud. You're not sure everything you said. I'm just being honest about it. So I went back and listened to see what I said, to see if I had the kind of unction I felt like I had. And uh, man, you, you need to get that CD because it lays the foundation for this morning. Praise God. So we're talking about these divine connections. And here's another level. He said, as my beloved sons, I warn you, for though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet have you not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. Wherefore, I beseech you, be ye followers of me. And he said in verse 17, for this cause have I sent unto you Timotheus, Timothy, we call him, who is my beloved son. Notice that, spiritual son, not a natural son. My beloved son and faithful in the Lord who shall bring you into remembrance in my ways which which be in Christ as I teach everywhere in every church. Paul uh, took Timothy with him. Many of those traveling trips he took. And Paul imparted into Timothy. Timothy caught things from Paul. And whenever he said, I send Timothy to you, since I can't get there right now, I'll come later. But I'll I'll send Timothy. He said, he'll impart the same things I would have because he's been with me and he caught something. And we'll get to that eventually. But... Um, there needs to be a recognition of all these different levels of these divine connections. There is just the others in the body of Christ. I don't say just to minimize everybody because everybody is of a high standing in the body of Christ. Those parts that we count of less value, the Bible says we're to put more honor on them than others. Amen. But there, there are levels. There are, there are disciples. There are people that are righteous. There are people, all, all disciples, if they're born again, are righteous. Don't misunderstand me. But some live right. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You know. And then there's these ministry offices, and then there's spiritual fathers. Or mothers, you know, you could look at it a different way. But uh, in the olden days, like especially some, in some of the, the, uh, the uh, old Pentecostal churches, they'd call them the older uh, gentlemen in the church uh, or the older mothers in the church, like the mothers, they call them the mothers of Israel. What were they talking about? They're talking about somebody that had come, way, come from way back under the pen. Maybe they were back there close to Azusa Street somewhere. Yeah, yeah. And they walked with God all those years, and they've got a lot of experience in the things of God. And they can tell you a lot of things. They can tell you how God used them, how the power of God moved. They can tell you how God, work, God works and His Word and how, how to interpret the Word because they've been around a while. 
And they've got some things from others. And they're passing it on. Can you say amen? And so it's a term, these, these different terms, these different divine connections, you could say. Uh, they're they're uh, spiritual people that are placed over us uh, who make impartations into our lives through their teachings, through private conversations, their example of living, or so forth and so on. And what they impart equips us to run in a race and finish our course. Finish God's plan for our life. Amen. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, follow me as I follow Christ. Now as long as you can... Now, glory to God. I'm telling you what, the glory just rolled in here. You know, you get... You were made fraud if you... I mean, if you find out you're telling lies, you get to be found out you're a fraud. But uh, the, uh, where was I now? I saw that and I, but 1 Corinthians 11, 1, follow me as I follow Christ. As long as you can see Jesus over the person's shoulder you're following, it's okay to follow a man. Because he's the one, he's following Jesus and he just is further ahead than you. He knows Jesus in ways that you haven't yet learned. And it's much easier to learn from somebody else that already knows it than to learn it all on your own. Take a natural, person, a natural child that grows up without a father or a mother. They have to learn things through, the, through hard knocks. Through getting bumps and bruises and falling off the lettuce truck like Dr. Dufresne said. And uh, they can't learn things from somebody else so they have to learn it the hard way. You know it's child abuse to not train a child right? Because you're going to require them to learn it through a lot of hardship. You're destining them to hardship. So spiritual training is the same way, just like a natural father trains his child. You know, for example, not to talk back because that's rebellion. That'll get you in trouble later in life. You know, but spiritual children needs to be trained just like natural children. And it's easier to learn it from somebody else. As long as they're following Jesus. Amen. As long as you can see Jesus over their shoulder, it's fine to follow a man. People have trouble with that, but they're also the ones that don't grow spiritually. All right, so Paul said here, he said, uh, he said I have, you have 10,000 instructors, yet you have you not many fathers. And we sp- started last Sunday talking about that divine relationship, a spiritual father and what that's all about. And I'm going to get back into that again this morning. Would that be all right? We read back there in Matthew, he that receives a prophet, he gets a prophet's reward, righteous man gets a righteous man reward, so forth. But the Lord said to me, there's something higher. And I said, Lord, what are you trying to say? He said, a spiritual son gets more than just a reward, he gets an inheritance. I said, what's the difference? He said, a reward is the operation of that ministry, if it's a ministry office, that minister working for them to bless their life. But an inheritance is something that's imparted. It's an endowment imparted into them that they get to minister out of to other people. We get blessed by being in a person's service a time or two. But that's not imparting as a spiritual father. Uh, a spiritual father imparts over a long period of time. Children grow up. They don't grow up in a day, a week, a month, or a year. Spiritual children are the same. It's a long-range kind of a relationship where things get imparted, training gets imparted, endowments gets imparted, different things that that person knows in God gets imparted. I love it when people are hungry and want to understand, if they're called to the ministry, for example, they want to understand, how do I fulfill that? And they sit down and want to talk about it. Boy, you just talk about, I mean, that's better than uh, eating when you're hungry. To me, because I got things I want to share, you know. 
But he said there's a difference between somebody just teaching you, from verse 15 here in 1 Corinthians 4 now, teaching you and being a father. You see, teaching can be done from a distance, maybe over TV, CDs, things like that. But spiritual fathering cannot be done at a distance. You can't, as a, if you're a dad, you can't live in Tennessee and parent your children here in Cedar Rapids. So I said, yeah, but today we have technology. We have Facebook. We've got texting. We've got, what's that face-to-face? Skype. We can do that. No, wait, see, how many of you know, though, they can turn that off and not listen to you all the time? Spiritual fathering, you've got to be there. You've got to have a closer kind of relationship. So as soon as something comes up in the home that is not right, you can start dealing with it right then. Isn't that right? All right, we still, we still haven't got to what we're getting to this morning. <laughs> so he said instructors are one thing, but spiritual fathering is not the same thing as just having somebody to teach you the word. Amen. Now, there's a difference between teaching, which anybody that knows the Bible can teach you, and what it tells us over in Proverbs where it says, train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he'll not depart from it. See, teaching is different than training. Teaching, you can point the way and say, do that. But training, you emulate it. You, you, you uh, model it. You show the child how to do that. Isn't that right? That's how natural parents, that's part of natural parenting as well as uh, spiritual being a dad or a mom. Now, people have trouble with this because they think we're saying that a, a man takes the place of God as our father. That's no more true than a man who stands up and teaches the Word is taking the place of the teacher of the Holy Spirit. You can't take the place of the Holy Spirit. There's no way. There's no way. We're not trying to. A person that teaches the Word is not trying to. Um, and it's, uh, it's no more uh, t- trying to take the place of God our Father as a pastor taking the place of Jesus, who is the good shepherd. You know, the word shepherd and pastor are the same Greek words. So whenever a person's a pastor, that doesn't mean they're taking the place of Jesus, the good shepherd. You can't do that anyway. A person who's trying is just kind of not sound in Bible doctrine. Amen. We're not talking about taking the place of that person or Jesus or the Holy Ghost or God. We're just simply talking about somebody that God uses to, to do that and bless you in that area. Like Jesus pastors us through local pastors. We find that in 1 Peter 5. You read 1 Peter 5, the first few verses, it'll tell you that. And then uh, the Holy Spirit teaches us. Yes, He teaches us in our heart, but He also has people that He anoints to stand in a teaching ministry. Then we have pastors, or excuse me, uh, people that are mature, more seasoned in spiritual things that God will connect us to that uh, uh, have a fatherly role in our lives. You understand? And he's not trying to take the place of Father God any more than, than uh, a pastor trying to take the place of Jesus. Right. You can't do it. We're not trying to cut God out of the equation, Jesus out of the equation. It's just that we know this, that if something's going to come into the earth, God uses a man to bring it into the earth. Just like your head can't do anything apart from your body, Jesus can't do anything apart from his body. Somebody said, I don't know if that's true. Well, read your Bible, 1 Corinthians 12. He's saying one part of the body can't say to the other part, I have no need of thee. And then he said the head can't say to the feet, I have no need of thee. That's talking about Jesus can't say to any member of the body, I don't need you. In other words, he needs us. 
He needs us. That's how He does things in the earth. Why do we get what God brought into the earth through Martin Luther? Because a man, Martin Luther, was used of God to bring it into the earth. Why do we have what God brought back into the earth after uh, the, you know, I'm talking about after the uh, Dark Ages? Well, we have through John Wesley, because John Wesley was used of God to bring it back. We don't glorify the man. We give him proper honor, but it all came from God. Amen. And those are kinds of uh, individuals we need to accept in our life and allow them to speak into our life. Those people who bring things to us which we didn't have. (laughs) Amen. Including a more seasoned, mature view of things. Children might see things one way, but how many of you know mom and dad see it totally different? Because they've been down the road a bit further. A bit further than the children. Amen. So these are these divine connections. There's a lot of different levels of them, but these are divine alliances. They're authored by God. They are right associations that are an umbrella of protection and blessing over our lives. They're covenant relationships. Not something you bebop into and bebop out of. You know what bebop means? I guess I'm dating myself. (laughs) They are are authored and planned by God to bring us a spiritual supply. Amen. Amen. God has somebody to bless your life with. Doesn't mean that he doesn't bless it directly, but he does use people to bring a blessing. Do you know that every every parent knows that as soon as their children get, they start hanging around the wrong people, their child starts going the wrong direction. And so the enemy has watched God and knew how God does things. God does things by bringing people into our lives to bless our lives. He said, aha, I'm going to use that to to bring uh, wrong direction into people's lives and wrong influences. So whenever he wants to uh, mess a person's life up, the enemy, he'll bring a wrong kind of person into into your child's life. And a natural father, a good natural father, will guard the relationships their children have. Same thing true with a spiritual father. That's what he says whenever he says we watch for uh, their souls. We're watching out for wrong influences that influence them wrong. Amen. Amen. So we're to know which associations are from God and which ones are important and which ones are from the enemy and that we're to discard. And not only know which ones are from God and which ones are from the enemy, but once we find the right right ones, learn to scripturally cooperate with those associations. How do we properly relate to them? How do we properly honor them? How do we get the most out of what God's trying to do? Amen. Amen. So success is really not just based on us being, uh, you know, uh, in the Word ourselves, although we get much out of the Word ourselves, but there are other people God's anoints to speak into our lives. Amen. Amen. And to train on top of that. Glory to God. Now go over to Psalm 127, verse 4 here. It always seems like I I barely get out 20% of what I have in my heart, but uh, that just means we'll just keep working with it. Psalm 127, let's look at verse number 4. This is describing parenting, and you can apply it to both natural parenting and spiritual parenting. Now, a pastor can stand in one of these places. He can stand as a spiritual father. Um, But also, from those called to the ministry, I I did a little bit of a a count one day, and I think probably there's 10% of this congregation that has inklings towards doing something in the more like the five-fold office kinds of things. You know what I mean by inklings? It just seems like something's stirring up in me. I got to call to, to do something for God. Maybe not, all of them, not, not all, maybe not all of them will actually stand in that. Maybe it was their own thinking about what God is stirring up in their heart to do. But, but right on the other hand, um, I'm ministering this morning to them as much as to this congregation. 
Now, Psalm 124, excuse me, 127, verse number 4, it says, As arrows in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Notice that, as arrows in the hands of a mighty man. Well, that could be applied to natural parenting, or it could be applied to being a spiritual mom or a dad. Isn't that right? Now, actually, natural parents should be natural parents, but they should also be spiritual parents. They should grow their children up spiritually. But they ought to have somebody speaking into their life to help them grow up spiritually. Otherwise, you'll have young people, raising young people, and we know how that turns out. You know, in our culture, it's popular to follow the younger generation rather than the older generation speak into the younger generation. The older gen- I mean, the younger generation says, now this is new and this is cool, some morbid, twisted thing, you know. And so the older generation says, okay, I guess we were old fogies. No, that's not the way God set it up to be. The heroes in our generation are between 14 and 25, you know. They haven't even got dry behind the ears yet. Amen. Anyway. Psalm 127, 4. He said, as children in the hands of, uh, as arrows in the hands of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. So he's talking about raising children. He said, it's like arrows in the hands of a mighty man. Spiritual sons are arrows in the hands of a mighty man too. That's a man who's mighty in spiritual things. And what a spiritual father will do, he'll be able to send you or a spiritual son the direction that will hit God's target. What is God's plan for your life? Somebody that speaks into your life as a spiritual father can take, can take God's, see God's plan for your life and direct you towards to hit it. Bullseye. Bullseye. Amen. A lot of, lot of people in the body of Christ don't have that, so they're missing God's target. A spiritual father helps a spiritual son to hit God's target for their life. They guide those who are spiritual sons to spiritual accuracy. This is why a lot of Christians miss it. They don't have anybody to guide them. See, that's why natural children have trouble growing up if they don't have a father in their life. They get out in the streets and the other influences take them in different directions and they're missing God's plan. They're missing the local church and all that God planned for that parent to bring them. Amen? Hallelujah. Now, um, it takes a person staying close enough to their spiritual leader who can help them secure God's aim and direction. You know, many people's lives don't look like it should. Even the way God planned it to be. Why? Because they don't receive direction from somebody to help direct them. Through that divine supply that God planned for them to have in their life. Now, somebody said, well, I just don't need anybody else. I just need Jesus. Well, to get saved, you're right. No man can save you. We understand that. Only the head of the church, the Lord Jesus, shed his blood for you. Nobody else redeems you. No, you understand nobody else died on the cross. But see, we're not talking here about salvation. We're here talking about uh, hitting the mark. We're here talking about growing up spiritually. How many of you want to run your race and finish your course? Remember he said back there in Matthew, those without a shepherd faint. In other words, if you're fainting halfway, you're not going to finish. You're not going to go all the way. You're not going to hit the mark. You're not going to hear, well done. You're going to hear, half baked. (laughs) Amen. Because pastor turned the heat up that one service and you got offended. And you jumped out of the oven, half baked. 
I made some pizza yesterday because I was on my own. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Pulled it out of the freezer, put it into the oven, and, but I had put some extra toppings on top of it because I went deer hunting, got some deer sausage, and you got to have it thick on top, you know. <laughs> extra tomatoes and extra cheese. And when you pick it up, it's, you know, just... But I had so much stuff on top of it that I, you know, it said 15 minutes. So I made it for 15 minutes and bit into it. Half done. No wonder Jesus said some people he's going to spew them out of his mouth. Half done. Not well done, half done. Some of you just now came to the service. So we want to finish. We want to hear well done. And apparently, we need help to do that. Why would God put parts in the... Somebody said, I don't need a man. Why would God put parts in the body that no one needs? That doesn't make sense, does it? No, there's a purpose for every part of the body. People say today in this modern age, we don't need a local church. We don't like organized religion. Well, I've said it last Sunday. I'll say it again. What do you want? Disorganized? I'm not talking about man's organization. Man's organization, I don't want that either. But I'm talking about there is a divine way God does things, and He disseminates through the body different things that He wants to get into the body through the members of the body that bring a supply to it. Amen. So, we're going to fulfill God's plan. We're going to have to have some help. Amen. We're going to need some people that are mightier in spiritual things than we are. And we're going to have to stay with them long enough as they follow Christ to get what they have. Our outcome depends on it. Amen. Praise God. Amen. They don't take the place of God. We know that. Now, um, go over with me here to uh, Genesis 25 here. We're going to wrap this up by sharing some things about spiritual fathers, some qualifications of spiritual fathers. Uh, Genesis 25 is something the Lord dealt with me about. What is a true spiritual father? There are fakes out there. Just like there are fake spiritual sons. There's fake people that aren't really... In other words, they're, they're in it for wrong reasons. They're wrong motives. So we need to divide these things right. Some of these truths that I'm sharing, people have a hard time with them because they've, they've been burnt. And I completely understand that. There are wrong things that we need to address this morning. If we can get all this, we don't have a lot of time here left, but some things we need to help people understand. We're not talking about this. We're not talking about that. We're talking about right down the middle of the row what the Word says. All right, so we're going to look at this here in Matthew. Excuse me, not Matthew. Genesis 25. Let's start reading here. Well, let's kind of give you the story before we really, uh, you know, kind of read this one verse here. You remember, Jacob and Esau were born to Isaac. Jacob was uh, the second born. Uh, Esau was the first born. And in those days, the first born had a birthright. Now, the birthright was not just natural things, although it included natural things, but it was spiritual things. And Jacob was second, so he wasn't due some of these spiritual impartations from his his father. But uh, Esau was due to it, and he came in from the field one day hungry. I'm in Genesis 25, 27 through 34, if you're writing this down. And whenever he came in from the field, Isaac was there, and he was making a pot of, he calls it pottage, probably some kind of soup or stew or something, you know. 
And so whenever Isaac, uh, excuse me, whenever Esau came in from the field, he was hungry and he was faint, verse 29 says. And Jacob, uh, Esau said to Jacob, feed me, I pray thee, some of thy, thy, thy red pottage, for I am faint. And Jacob said, sell me this day thy birthright. The birthright. Now, it has a lot to do with spiritual things. The birthright is not just natural things. It has to do with spiritual endowments. Sell me thy birthright. And Esau said, Behold, I am to the point to die. What profit shall this birthright do to me? He didn't properly esteem spiritual things. He was too hungry for something natural to get something spiritual. Mm. I just said a mouthful. And Jacob said, Swear to me this day. And he sware to him. And he sold his birthright unto Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils. And he did eat and drink and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Notice that. So what he's talking about here is an impartation of the Spirit that was due to Esau from Isaac. You read the New Testament like Hebrews 11 and it said, By faith, uh, Jacob, whenever he uh, was getting ready to die, he laid hands on his sons and he blessed them. But the firstborn got something nobody else got. So there was an impartation at these great patriarchs of faith's death that they would impart into the next generation. Like I said last Sunday, you should never take spiritual things to, the, to heaven with you. You should leave them here for somebody else. The endowments, the revelation, the things God's taught you, leave them for somebody else. Real success means you have a successor. Well, who should I have succeed after me? How about your, your physical children, first of all? You have something from God. You have faith in God. Impart that into your children. Anyway. But Esau despised it. Can you see that? Now, um, what happened is, the Bible tells us that, because how many of you know natural children get a natural inheritance? But spiritual children get a spiritual inheritance. And in this case, Jacob had a spiritual son as well as a natural son. And that firstborn was the one that got the spiritual endowment as well as extra things in the natural. Amen. That's the way they did it in those days. Well, let's say this. Um, just like there were, uh, as an inheritance, something spiritual imparted, so spiritual sons today have an inheritance. And it is impartations into their life, not just for bless them, but to walk in and bless, bless the next generation. So there's an inheritance. And it's important that we recognize these spiritual things, which is our spiritual birthright, if we have a spiritual father. And that spiritual inheritance includes the things that they train us in. And it might come through services, might come through private conversations, might come through the laying on of hands might come through watching them and how they're doing things. Whenever they minister, whenever they're under that anointing, you know. So um, there's a reward for being a son. Now, I believe there's different levels of parenting spiritually. Like for ministers, young ministers coming up, it's, it's a unique thing that others won't have. That others in the body of Christ won't have. Can you say amen? But uh, that inheritance includes a lot, and we'll get into that. But let me look at spiritual qualifications for a spiritual father, first of all. Let's go back to 2 Corinthians 12. Might sound like we're uh, kind of bouncing around a little bit, but just, get, just a second, we'll get to the real meat of what we're saying here this morning. 2 Corinthians 12. Remember, Paul said to the church at Corinth, your sons, spiritual sons. 2 Corinthians 11. Look at verse 13. We just... Uh, 
We're close by there. Praise the Lord. Uh, excuse me, verse, chapter 12. No wonder I wasn't seeing it. 2 Corinthians 12. I apologize. Verse 13 through 15. Verse 13 says, For, when it, for what is it wherein you were inferior to other churches, except it be that I myself was not burdensome to you? Forgive me of this wrong. Uh, just simply means he, he was there ministering to them. And we'll, we, you can see this from the context. I'll just kind of help you f- fill in the blanks here. And we'll see a little bit here in verse 14. But he worked while he was there to, to pay his own bills and take care of himself so he wouldn't be burdensome to them. All right, look at verse 14. Wherefore, the third, the, the third time I am ready to come to you, and I will not be burdensome to you, For I seek not yours, but you, for the children ought not lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. Verse 15, I will very gladly spend and be spent for you, though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. Now this, I could take you through the book of 1 and 2 Corinthians and show you that the church at Corinth was some of the, the biggest spiritual brats in the whole New Testament. They did nothing to help Paul. We have no record of them helping him whatsoever in some of his hardest situations. But yet Paul went there and wouldn't even, uh, you know, say, this is what my plane ticket costs, so to speak. You know what I'm talking about? He just said, no, I'll take care of that because you're not even spiritually mature enough to, to not get offended at that. You understand? But he said, that's not what I'm there for anyway. I'm there, he said, a spiritual, this is qualifications for a spiritual father. You paying attention? I'm there to lay up something for you, to give something to you. Amen. And he said, I'll gladly spend and be spent for you. Now that's a real father. A teacher at a distance in Christian TV or whatever, they're not going to go that far. We're going to shuck the corn a little bit. Is that all right? There's other people that don't have that kind of heart for your life. But a spiritual father does. That's, that's a real true spiritual father. Isn't that right? Now, there are two errors, errors to watch out for regarding this teaching that I'm teaching you about spiritual fathers. You want to know what they are? Number one, turning these kinds of relationships into a one-way street. What do I mean by that? In other words, everybody bless me, I'm your spiritual father. But he doesn't give anything to his sons. You understand what I'm talking about? That's not God, nor is it the heart of a true spiritual father. If, it, if a man has that kind of heart, he's a fake. Amen. Awfully quiet in this Presbyterian church. It's not a one-way street. Now, it should be a two-way street, not just a one-way street where, where uh, you know, the father's always giving, giving, giving. If you study this, boy, we don't have time to get into it, but the, spirit, the church at Corinth was the most carnal church people, uh, Paul had to deal with. He had all kinds of trouble. He had to straighten out all kinds of problems. He had to deal with all kinds of issues. You can read through there. You can see Paul get upset at him. You can see Paul get mad. I could take you to scriptures this morning where he said, the, be- the better I treat you, the worse you treat me. <laughs> they were a bunch of spiritual brats. <laughs> I'm not saying that about you, so don't get all offended. <laughs> Breathe, breathe. <sighs> okay, he's a... I'm just talking about Paul here. Amen. 
Now, the reason they didn't do anything back for him, we don't have record of them ever bringing an offering to him or helping him do See, it wasn't about Paul. It was about the gospel getting out. Paul said over in Philippi, I had no church that communicated with me as concerning giving, ex- and giving and receiving, but you alone, talking to the church of Philippi. And that includes the churches at Corinth. They didn't do a thing to help him in the gospel. He went there and paid his own way and got beyond them paying his own way, working, building tents. Now, that's the way, uh, you know, like, as they grow, as they grown up, if they would have ever grown up, they would have turned around and started helping him. That's the way it is in the natural, isn't it? For a while in, natu- in, spirit- in, in natural relationships, it's the parents giving everything and the child giving nothing. Except dirty diapers and spit-ups. Isn't that right? And everybody's okay with that for a while. Then as the child grows up, they begin to help learn. Take out the trash, do some things, feed the dog. You wanted the dog, feed that dog. And begin to bring something back. And then in later years, whenever the parents are elderly and maybe not able to take care of themselves, it's a totally switched situation. The children are given almost everything and the, and the parents receiving almost everything. Are you there? You're going home. But because the church of Corinth never grew up, they never did anything for their spiritual father. But Paul said, that's not what I'm about anyway. I'm here to spend and be spent for you. That's a challenge, isn't it? So number one, it's not a one-way uh, one street. Two errors. Remember I said there's two. Number two. Uh, there's an error where th- in this area where teach- people teach that a spiritual father means you can dictate by the Holy Ghost to the sons rather than allow the sons to follow the Holy Ghost for themselves. Y'all out there, you're going home. That kind of thing is witchcraft. Hello? Demons seek to control people and force them to do their own will. And if a person seeks to do that, even whenever they're trying to dominate a person's will through spiritual gifts or spiritual position or something like that, he's opening himself up to evil spirits. Hello? In the New Covenant, we're not led by the prophet. We're not led by a ministry office. We're led by the inner witness and not another man. Now, another man might come along and confirm what we already have in our heart. But that's not a man guiding you. That's just God confirming, okay, that's, that's what you already have in your heart. You're not, you're not doing it because a man said it, but because that's what you already had in your heart. How many of you thank God for those confirmation times? I've needed them at times. Got me past some, some problems. Amen. But when a son is still young, he may not recognize spiritual leadings, and there may be a man in his life to help him recognize what's in his heart. I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just simply saying that it's wrong to direct, okay, now you're my son, so you do this for me. It's all selfish. You ever notice that it's just kind of selfish? Now, that doesn't mean that a spiritual father won't teach ch- children how to give and to, be, to properly honor the right, pl- the right place people have in their life. But it's not like you have to do this. It's just how the Bible... See, if, if fathers don't teach that, then you've got a bunch of brats growing up in the church, or, and then you've got a worldwide church of brats. <laughs> Amen. But there's certain levels that you, go, you can't go to demanding certain things. Amen. A true spiritual father is not one who runs over the authority of a younger minister or the personal life of a sheep in the church and makes decisions for them. You know, like you buy that kind of car, you marry that person. You do. I'd, rather, I'd rather stick my finger in my throat and throw up than hear that. Then, then sit under that. Anybody with me on that? It's awfully weak in this Presbyterian church. 
I just don't like that kind of thing. Amen. Now, he will, a spiritual father will offer a spiritually mature view. Amen. And counsel a son toward divine order and bring his life into order. But that doesn't mean he's dictating to his life. You're here in 2 Corinthians back up to the first chapter. Anybody getting this? See, when people hear this, they hear all different things because of the backgrounds they came out of. There's an old time teaching out there that has died out in more recent days or more recent you know, years. But it used to be real popular called shepherdship. Now that's a bit biblical term, but they took it to mean the pastor of the church controls everybody's lives. You marry this person. Tell, put, tell your neighbor. <laughs> that just makes you rather. I'd, I'd rather go home and watch a good Western movie and watch John Wayne get his man than sit in church and hear that. Amen. Now, you've seen around here at times, we've ministered to people about certain things, but see, they've already got some of those things in their heart. And if, be honest, if we ever minister something to you that you don't have in your heart, you throw it, at least put it on the shelf or throw it out the window. Y'all there? So we've got to keep balance in this area. Second, have you found 2 Corinthians? Look at verse, uh, this is chapter number 1. Verse number 24, Paul's saying, again, these are, you can learn a lot by looking at First and Second Corinthians, how Paul ministered to this church. You can learn a lot about spiritual fathering and, of course, how to be a son, how to, how to not be a false son. Verse 24, now for that, for that not, not for that we have dominion over your faith, but are helpers of your joy, for by faith you stand. Amen. In other words, we don't have dominion over your decisions, what you do with your faith, what you believe God for, and not even whether you believe God for our ministry. Now, we have a right to teach you you should, but we can't make you. But we're just here to help your joy. <laughs> Amen. Now, that comes to your personal life. That's, your life is your life. Now, when it comes here to the church, we're going to have a say on what happens here what will be allowed here and what wrong attitudes won't be allowed here. But in your house, if you want to fight and beat each other up, whatever. Come to church, we'll get you right with God again. Amen. You want to, if you want to you know, go barefoot and look, grow your hair long and be a hippie and do it, okay, fine. But just, just when it comes to church, there's going to be certain things. I don't mean for attending church. You don't have to clean up to attend church, but I just mean if you're going to be the associate pastor or the lead worship, you know, uh, uh, we're going to have something to say about that. Maybe if you like long hair during the week, wear a wig all week and come here and take it off, you know. Just a thought. <laughs> I don't know if I ever told you this or not. I don't know if I ever told you. I don't know if I should tell you now, but I just came to my thought. Well, maybe I shouldn't. I don't know. I think I got myself in trouble. It wasn't long before. We, we had only been here a couple of weeks back when we first started pastoring over in that other building. And uh, I was on my way to church one morning, and the Spirit of God said to me, fire your head usher. I barely knew anybody here yet. He said, fire your head usher. I said, Lord, why? And he didn't say anything. So I just had to obey. So I went and fired him. Dismissed him from being... I couldn't do it right away, but I had to get him out. Later found out his wife divorced him because he was going downtown Iowa City being a cross-dresser. Wow. Come on. Boy, I heard God on that one. Yeah, yeah. Come on. Yeah, 
Watch for him downtown. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of weird spirits downtown Iowa City, you know. And he was getting a little of that on him. Anyway, Brother Matt won't do that. I know him, Brother Matt. <laughs> he just as soon punch him. Then, then. <laughs> anyway, I digress. Praise the Lord for the word. Now let's look at some other qualifications for spiritual fathers. You want to get into this? Um, back there to 2 Corinthians chapter number uh, 4 again. Paul made one here. He said something about it. I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 4. I got that mixed up last Sunday. 1 Corinthians 4, verse number 15. You have not many uh, fathers. You have many instructors. Wherefore, I beseech you, be ye followers. That means imitators of me. For this cause I sent unto you Timotheus. Amen. Notice he said, uh, follow me because I'm your dad, so to speak. How many of you know you should not send your, now of course you send your children to school, but you shouldn't send your children to school to say, follow everything they teach down there. Well, you can follow their math, their, 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 their science and all of that. But when it comes to, okay, now we're going to have this class on gay marriage and we're going to do this. Follow me. As a dad and as a mom, you're going to say, not them, follow me. And that's not selfish for you to say that because you're the one that's going to stand before God and give an account for their lives. Isn't that right? Hallelujah. So that's a characteristic is somebody whose life is, is, can, can model godliness. Can you see that? There are a lot of anointed good ministers, good teachers, good exhorters, good people on the, were in the in, you know, different media. They can expound on the Word of God. And, uh, but, but there's not many fathers. That's what he's saying here. So you might follow them at more of a distance than you follow somebody that God put in your life to emulate character right in front of you. You know that you can't know character by a Christian TV program. Amen. Not against, I'm not, sounds like I'm against Christian TV this morning. I'm not. I watch it, but you understand. Just a different kind of relationship. Hallelujah. Number one, so the Father will give you the life-giving word. Hallelujah. And keep you mindful of its value and what all the word of God says to you. A spiritual father will not abandon his children. That's a spirit out there in the world right now. Just, uh, he, he's a baby factory, but he's, does, he's not a dad. Hello? You know, it takes, it takes years to be a dad. But to be a baby factory, you can just do that in a few minutes. Pardon my bluntness. Don't watch those examples on TV out there. We got, we got whole reality shows that are based on immorality. Amen. So a real father is there for his family. He won't abandon his family. Remember John 10, 12 talks about the good shepherd. He won't leave the sheep for the, for when the wolf comes. So a good father protects the family. Amen. There's people out there with wrong motives, even spiritual people. I mean, people that are in, in, into spiritual things. They have wrong motives and they're dangerous. Amen. And you need somebody in your life to help you protect from those people. Somebody that's willing to lay down their life for you. Remember Jesus said in John 10, 11, the good shepherd laid down his life for the sheep. 
A good dad, you know, take for example a dad, uh, there's a robber coming into a natural house. A good dad will get out there and take bullets or whatever he's got to take to keep his kids from getting hurt and, and his wife from getting hurt. Amen. Praise God. Might be all right to have a 44 under the bed or something, you know. I'm half cowboy. Did you know that? I'm just about half. You can tell where I stand on gun rights, can't you? Just the presence of a spiritual father will keep some of that at bay. He don't even have to say anything. People have come up to Brother Ike sometimes. They'll say, well, I just wanted to talk to you about something, you know, something about pastors and so forth. He said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Just before you say anything, just know this. Everything you say, I'm going right to the pastor to tell him. Well, they sputtered to a halt and didn't want to say it then. Just the presence. <laughs> Hallelujah. But th the presence of a father also invokes security, a sense of security in the hearts of real, real true children. Amen. The fatherless have to constantly guard against the swindlers, gamblers, people that, that, that are just out for, you know, whatever, to deceive. Even spiritual cons. Amen. Tell your neighbor, he's getting there. Now, another one. My goodness, I'm already out of time, but uh, should we get into this, Lord? Let's get into one more here. Acts, Acts chapter number 15. Characteristics of a spiritual father. In Acts 15, without going into reading all of it, you can just write down verses 36 through 40, 41, however far there you want to read, but Acts 15, 36 through 41 is the story where Paul was going to go again on another missionary journey, taking Barnabas with him. And uh, Barnabas decided he wanted to take John Mark with him. Now, John Mark was a, I guess you'd call him a nephew of Barnabas, a natural relationship, a nephew. John Mark had gone with them part of the way on the first missionary journey. But he had gone back home. He missed Mama's cooking and, you know, didn't like sleeping on a different bed every night and didn't like the persecution they were getting into. He couldn't handle it, so he went home. Well, then John, I mean, uh, Paul's getting ready to go on the second missionary journey. You can read about it in verse 36 down there through 40. And the Bible says, it, Paul, uh, not Paul, but Barnabas, verse 40, uh, let's see here, verse 37, Barnabas determined to take with him John, whose surname was Mark. And Paul thought it not good because he left him on the last journey and he didn't go with them to the work. And the Bible says in verse 39, the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder, one from the other. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed unto Cyprus. Now you read through the rest of the New Testament and you don't hear from Barnabas again. You never hear from him again. Paul chose Silas. It's, it's, it's helpful to us to know we are replaceable. And departed being recommended by the brethren under the grace of God. And we keep on reading from the book of Acts. Paul was followed. We have record of Paul. The Holy Ghost saw fit to record what Paul was doing, but didn't see fit to record what Barnabas was doing. I don't know that the Holy Ghost is interested in what I'm doing apart from my divine connection. Helps us to know that. But the thing I want you to see here is that something about a spiritual father. People think, well, you know, Paul was offended at John Mark because John Mark left, so he was offended. Well, you read just a little bit further about how the next place they went was at Philippi. And at Philippi, that's whenever they were beaten, put in jail, remember? Their backs are bleeding, their feet are in stocks, you know. And, and uh, really, I believe Paul sensed the persecution that was coming. He had been on through that journey before. 
And he was trying to protect John Mark. I'm almost done. Tell your neighbor, he's almost done. I believe he was trying to protect, protect a young person from uh, being in a place where he wasn't ready for it. And so, uh, really, Paul was the one I believe was right because the Holy Ghost stayed with Paul here, ministering and doing, telling what he was doing. And the point is that spiritual fathers, that's, Paul was trying to take care of John Mark. He wasn't trying, he, later on, John Mark must have grown up because he said, uh, bring John Mark, he's profitable for, for me in the ministry. Where is that? Titus, I believe he says that. Well, uh, John Mark must have grown up. Paul wasn't offended at him. He was just trying to protect him from what was coming. So here's something about a spiritual father. Get this. My, if I'd have got time this morning, I'd have got into this more. Spiritual fathers know spiritual timing. They know when you're not ready for something, and they'll protect you from things whenever you're not ready for it. Sometimes spiritual sons need to allow spiritual fathers to say, well, it's not time yet. Although they have it in their heart. Now, sometimes spiritual sons don't like to wait until they are ready. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 3, there's qualifications for ministry, and one of them is not a novice. Because the novice opens himself up. You, you allow a novice to be put in great places of usefulness and authority. They get puffed up in pride. And the devil will use that to take them out. Amen. So they understand spiritual timing. Hallelujah. Sometimes people don't wait until they're ready and they get offended. Well, I'm going somewhere else. They don't recognize my gift. Oh, we recognize it all right. But the call does not equal qualification for that. For that. Qualification to fulfill that is a totally different thing than being called. The Bible said many are called, but few are chosen. Why? Because they don't ever, they're not faithful enough to be prepared. Brother Hagin always said preparation times, not wasted time. Young, young ones in the Lord and in ministry, they think that's wasted time. No, no, not wasted time at all. It'll keep you from petering out. It'll keep you from getting your legs taken out from under you if you allow somebody to mentor you and speak into your life. If you would like more information about Pastor Jay Everly's ministry, please visit us on the web at soffc.org or call us at 319-366-2147 or you can write to us at Spirit of Faith Family Church, Post Office Box 8355, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, 52408. And remember, God loves you and you're equipped to live victoriously in every area of life.